the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. When it comes to your investments and retirement, in this economy, it's important to be smart. And with the Smart Investor Hour heard right here on AM 1420 The Answer, you'll get both smart and intelligent information you'll need to help with your investing. So sit back, listen, and learn with your host of the Smart Investor Hour, Tim Hayes of RBC Wealth Management. Good afternoon, everybody. Beautiful day. Uh, looks like the sun's going to come out and uh, be a wonderful day. So I love fall. Uh, let's think positively. So with the new day comes new strength and new thoughts. Happiness is not something ready-made. It comes from your own actions. And that's the Dalai Lama. I've, I've read a lot of his stuff. He's a smart man. You can't please everyone. The best thing you can do is believe in yourself and do what you think is right for you. At the end of the day, let there be no excuses, no explanations, no regrets. A bad day for your ego is a great day for your soul. <laughs> there we go. I love that one. Anyway, uh, this is a live show. You got a question? The number here is 216-901-0945. And I'm going to direct you to WHK's webpage. WHK 1420, uh, the answer, I don't know how, I'm not exactly sure. I, I keep looking it up and I, I got it on my thing, so I don't actually look at the webpage. But if you go from there to the local podcast down to the Smart Investor Show, go directly to my webpage. Uh, first thing is, I'm, I'm, look, at times like this, if you don't have a plan, you don't have a clue. Okay? So if the market's down and you don't have a plan, you don't know if you're okay or not. All right. So that's that's simple. So if you go there and hit the contact me or email me, we can send you a wealth plan questionnaire and we'll set you up on our system. Now, you you won't be a you know, you don't have to be a client. We'd love to have you as a client, obviously, but uh, you be a client. Also, uh, there's a banner up there and says insight. And we I just changed a whole bunch of uh, stuff again this week. So we have a lot of new research on that on a weekly basis. I highly recommend it. Some of it's about the market, some of it's about just general stuff and financials. Um, you know, last week we had our top uh, day uh, of, of hits to my webpage. It was the biggest day ever. So I, I thank you all for, for listening, I guess. Uh, also, under bulletin board on the front page, uh, you know, we have a weekly newsletter that wraps up what's going on in the stock market. And we also have Trend and Cycle, that's Rob Schleimer, uh, who may be one of the best technicians on the planet. Uh, you know, he, he's, he's very good at what he does. Uh, so I highly recommend that, too. So, uh, you know, it was, <laughs> it was another interesting week. And last week, we said we thought we were at a low, okay, and that we'd have a rally. We had a pretty big rally, a 1,720 points. Uh, and then we gave back a lot of it, almost 1,000. And by the way, we stopped right at a Fibonacci retracement number, percentage, but wise. And if you don't know what, who Fibonacci was, he was a great Italian mathematician. And he studied the markets and he, he saw relationships. And, uh, you know, it, it's hard to explain exactly what his thought process was on the radio. You need a, a, bold, uh, you know, a, a blackboard. But, you know, he started out one plus one is two, two plus one is three. Three plus two is five. Those are all Fibonacci numbers, and it goes on like that. And uh, but he he noticed a a move in the markets. Okay, so we came right to a Fibonacci retracement. So Monday will be important, uh, in Tim Hayes' opinion. You know, one of the things that came out this week, and I'm going to uh, get into uh, Lori Calvasina's stuff in a second here, is the employment number. And the employment number was stronger than people wanted it to be. Okay, but you know, the Fed, I I lost. Some confidence in the Fed in the last couple of years. Uh, I've never really had a great deal of confidence with them because you know they basically caused all the recessions in modern history. All right, so they were too loose two years ago, and now they're probably going to be too tight. And somebody asked Tim Hayes today, Tony, uh, well not today, uh, on Thursday, Tony, 
uh, who is not a client of mine. He, I've talked to him several times. He's a great guy. Uh, he, he's done extremely well for himself. And uh, he asked me, he said, Tim, what do you think is going to happen? What, what's going to blow up? And look, I go back to 2007, 2008, when I was on, on the radio here with you folks, and I said that cash would outperform the stock market. And the reason I said that was cash was number one uh, on the relative strength. And stocks were the lowest form of life. Stock took the hit. Let me say that again. Cash was the highest form of, of, of uh, animal, and stocks were the lowest form of life. Stock took the hit. Right now, it's commodities, cash, at domestic equities, and currencies are dead last. So I think commodities, if the dollar pulls back, and the dollar is almost parabolic, okay? Uh, now, I don't think, it, I mean, it's up like 20% this year. You know, it's the best asset class you could be in. And I think our currency is going to take a hit. And if you've seen already, the British pound got whacked, okay? If you look at the chart in the British pound, straight down. I think it was like 14% in a week. And they had to come in and store it up by buying gilts, which are their bonds. The yen got whacked. The yuan got whacked. The, the yuan is the remedy, which is the Chinese currency. They got whacked. And they had, I don't think China came in at all. They didn't step in. But Japan did. They stepped in and, and defended their currency. And I got to think that there's some currency out there that's got really whacked. And we're not, not going to hear about it right away. And, and the Fed, the question is, will the Fed care? I think they better because, you know, they're looking at they're looking at employment, which is ridiculous because half the people didn't come back to work. And so the the employment numbers are low, granted, and they're going to stay low. But, you know, they've let the cat out of the bag, you know, and and the federal government has also added, you know, like six billion dollars in spending. That's a 40 percent increase in M2. So the money's out there. It's out. You ain't going to pull it back in. All right. So it's going to take a while to tame inflation. If they do it all in a hurry, they're going to blow something up, which is my opinion. But look, I think you got to position trades within U.S. equities um, that, you know, what you have is uh, when you have your curve inversions, uh, you have a bias towards defensive groups, okay, as the recession fears mount. So, you, you know, if you're looking at the FMOC decisions, the, the investors we spoke with uh, over that period of time, the yield curve and the pondering question of what do you do during inversions? And it's simply, you know, you, you, you don't buy materials and things like that. You, you buy food and staples, uh, professional services, things like that, um, pharma. Um, but, you know, software and services normally, but they're all getting beat up. So even staples are kind of rolling over uh, on a technical basis. So I'm not sure what to do. You know, we get the the, uh, the S&P 500 P.E. ratio is 16 times. And that seems reasonable based on the analysis of uh, all the multipliers and the rates of inflation. Uh, you know, if we date it back to the 70s even. So the, I think the 3,500 level in the S&P 500 will be a key place to watch. And if you look at the ETF, you know, we, we broke a number 371, so I think you got to be careful coming up here. It, it's got some serious support going below this, so we'll see what happens. Uh, look, uh, on an economics basis, Tom Porcelli, he talked about global manufacturing being a sea of red. And uh, if you look at the heat map, continues to sink further into the red. Just 18% of the purchasing managers' indexes are now expanding uh, compared with 70% six months ago. And if you don't think that's bad, I mean, that's a big, big hit. So the ISM, you know, fell basically into neutral territory, if not, you know, sell territory. And on employment, the backdrop is shifting to labor management sentiment shifted in September with a higher number of, of the panelists that we follow, panelist companies, pausing hiring through hiring freezes, Okay. And if you looked at the employment number and you looked at the number of people going out to to hire people, it's down 7%. That's a big number. Okay. So part of it is, you know, uh, what we're looking at is, uh, you know, uh, we, we're, we're seeing the weakness. And if they wait till it shows up, we could be in a big problem. I think that's my opinion. So 
look, we acknowledge up front that the underlying dy- dynamic at the moment is different. Still, I think if your overarching similarity is striking, Fed officials are fond of saying that only with 2020 hindsight could you have known inflation was going to be a problem. Well, that's that's bunk. <laughs> so, look, somebody asked me, uh, what out-of-favor group would you be looking at? And, look, I, I think... The solar energy and, and all the uh, green energies have just got killed. Okay, now, the last time we said this, they made a big move, and I don't think anybody participated. But, uh, you know, it's, you know, solar especially is cheap and emission free technology. And, uh, you know, as long as the sun's shining, you know, in a lot of places, you've got a pretty good idea of what's going on. And you know what? You can use, you can put solar power uh, into parking areas. You know, you just put them above the, you know, the parking area. You know, you can do a lot with solar power. So, you know, if we get it more efficient, it'd be better. Uh, so, you know, that that's something, that's an area that's out of favor big time. And I think the green energies uh, are also. Uh, but, you know, look, the, the government bond yields continue to move higher. Uh, the two area, you know, I've, I've got some two-year CDs that I bought this week at 4.4%. and and Three year at four point five two or something like that. Those are pretty good yields. I mean, that's half the half the return of the stock market over a seventy five year period uh, with very little. Ro- I mean, oh, you have inflation. Ri- I mean, you have uh, interest rate risk. So if interest rates go up, you you lose a few bucks. But uh, look, most Western central banks are intent on a pr- uh, pursuing this very aggressive tightening strategy. Uh, and, and in Tim's humble opinion, they've never been right. So, um, look, since Jackson Hole, both the Fed and the markets have priced in a significant increase in the Fed tightening. I mean, we went up to four four thirty five the other day. So, um, the leading indicators are pointing to a significant slowing in inflationary pressures. Uh, even the PCE, which doesn't really have employment in, you know, is is there. Um, so the Fed is watching labor markets and job openings in particular. And if they looked at job openings, that was not that great a number this Friday. So I don't know why, particularly why the market sold off, but it did fill the gap that we had. We probably go higher from here. I don't know. Uh, but we had you know, a pretty tumultuous decline on, on Friday again. Um, the fundamental catalyst has seen the labor market is softening, so I don't know what that is. I mean, if you look at the jolt, that's the job opening report, showed the largest ever drop in job openings, you know, with a 1.1 million or, or a 10% drop. So I'm not sure what the Fed's looking at, and, and that's the problem. Uh, my confidence in the Fed is, is uh, very low. <laughs> uh, but we do have the midterm elections coming up in a month, less than a month. So get out there and vote, first of all. Uh, And, you know, look, I'll mention this again. Five years after recession, the markets are normally up two and a half times or 250 percent. So that's something to think about, you know. Uh, Well, think about that. So, look, you know, the challenge job survey showed an increase of 68 percent rise in layoffs. What's the Fed looking at? You know, what what do they need to do? Okay. Now, one of the things that I'm seeing, and, and this is, could be a major problem. This could be a whoops, you know, and, and I'm not sure about it, but I'm gonna I'm gonna go with it. But we've had long dry spells and retreating water levels, and they're exposing many finds from you know forgotten ar- archaeological uh sites to discarded cars. Similarly. The receding monetary liquidity as central banks hike interest rates is exposing the long glossed over financial vulnerabilities and systematic risks out there. In this environment, we expect financial markets volatility to continue. We would stay defensive and end up, uh, you know, the buy quality, buy quality. Okay. Don't, you know, don't be buying $2 stocks out there. Okay. So, I think what you, you know, I'm going to say this again. In 2007 and 2008, I said cash would outperform the stock market. And that was because cash was the number one asset class. 
now and domestic equities were dead last. They were the lowest form of life. Now commodities are number one, cash is number two, and the lowest form of life of currencies. I think there'll there'll be an explosive move in a currency that will get everybody's attention <laughs> and do it in a hurry. Uh, but look, if you look at the real rates, U.S. real rates, we're a five-year high. We're at one point seven percent. So, you know, everybody's been negative for a long, long time. Now we're going positive. And believe me, we're going to see how fast that sucks up liquidity out there. Because in Tim's opinion, it'll be quite fast. And we'll just leave it at that. Okay. So I just think you want to still be defensive a little bit. Uh, you know, I did buy some CDs in the last couple of weeks. Um, but, I, you know, I, I don't want you to, if this ends, you know, and, and, and I'm going to talk about something in this third part of the show about the bullish percent. If this ends, just remember, five years after recession, the market's up two and a half times, usually two to two and a half times. So, look, unemployment, the quarterly growth is now negative six. The consumption is still up there, but it's still it's down. Personal savings rate is really far down. So everybody that saved all that money spent it uh, during the uh you know, the pandemic, uh, unemployment rates down to 3.7, but you got to remember a lot of people didn't come back to work. So, um, household debt has increased drastically. Uh, so people are spending with money they don't have, and that's not a good sign. Uh, the consumer confidence index, the expectation is, you know, currently is 108, which is a decent number, but the expectations is only 80. So, you know, that's, that's not a good thing. And I think you, you, you've got to pay attention. So what would Tim advise, uh, you know, going forward? Look, growth and value are investing styles that have gone through cycles. One significantly outperforms the other usually. And I've talked about this barbell approach. Uh, and, and look, Microsoft got beat up Friday. Apple got beat up Friday. You know, I've been talking about that for a while. Uh, you know, Apple was on the cover of Business Week, which is never a good sign. And so, I, but I think you have to look. A year ago, this month, I said that the Nasdaq Composite had gone parabolic. I don't know if that's still on my web page, but I think you can find it somewhere because um, they go they go back pretty far. It's now we're at the bottom. Same with the S and P. We talked about January being the top of the chart. Now we're at the bottom. All right. Hey, let's take a break. If you got a question, two one six. 901-0945. That's 216-901-0945. We'll be right back. At RBC Wealth Management, we are proud of our reputation for putting clients' interests first. Our steadfast commitment to helping clients achieve their financial goals includes giving back to the communities we serve. Through supporting youth education, human services, and the arts, we hope to make tomorrow better for everyone. Call Tim Hayes at 216-774-8906. RBC Wealth Management, a division of RBC Capital Markets, LLC, member NYSC, FINRA, SIPC. My first ride-along was with Jamal. Even before I was hired, they wanted me to see everything from the ground level before moving forward. And it was awesome. The first time I came in, I got to sit in on a meeting and never realized that plumbers have that level of organization and sophistication to their operations. And I say that as a former degreed project manager, as well as an Air Force vet. After getting out of the service, my wife and I moved to Cleveland and I just wasn't happy with the corporate style desk jobs. So I prayed for a sign that next morning, my best friend called me about this radio ad on The Fish for a company he thought would be perfect for me. And he was right. Why it works was a godsend. You have to want to help people. But if you do, this job is fulfilling in ways that the right person won't find anywhere else. If you want that for your life, call us direct and consider it done at whyitworks.com. License number 30185. Wallach a doodle. 
Akron football. Rolling left. Now he's going to roll right. Gets out of trouble. He's got room to run it. 15, 10, 5. Drives. Into the end zone. Touchdown. Together. Yes, that's what we want. Right there. And he's hit back in the 40. Fumbles. Akron looking to pick it up. Is it caught? Yes, it's a touchdown for the Zim. Saturday, Akron battles Ohio. Kick off at 2 with pregame coverage starting at 1 on your home for Akron Zips football. AM 1420, The Answer. Or on iHeart, TuneIn, and Odyssey. Okay, we're back. <laughs> you know, uh, since I mentioned that commodities are the number one asset class at this point uh, versus, uh, you know, uh, currencies being last, I thought I'd talk a little bit about uh, commodities. And, you know, um, OPEC production meeting plus the fact that russia is using energy as a weapon um you know if, if we look at uh we did some recent channel checks in washington and uh, you know basically <laughs> the, the the reserves that we had have been used to a great degree and they're still using them so they're they're bound and determined to drain them before the election and then I think you see the price of gasoline go back up pretty drastically after the election because we're, we're going to have to fill those strategic reserves somehow, some way. Uh, I don't know we're going to get the oil, but we'll see from that. But, you know, the hurricane uh, in the past, the last couple of hurricanes have not been as bullish as they used to be. Uh, storms like Ian, when they make landfall in a densely populated, populated area, and I hope those people down there, God bless them, uh, you know, we're rooting for you guys. I, I was in Fort Myers in June, and, you know, half the places I went are gone. So uh, to all the people down at Fort Myers, we're rooting for you. Uh, but th- these these type of things actually have a larger implication for demand destruction. Because, you know, the pictures I saw at Fort Myers, you know, I, I don't know if it's coming back quick. You know, it's going to take some time for those people. That's why, you know, I, I wish them the best, because... You're going to have to have perseverance down there, all right? And uh, look, Ian has caused some widespread power outages and flooding, but only a small portion of golf production has been affected, you know, the the actual oil. So other than rainfall making its way to Northeast production, it's mostly demand that impacts uh, for the natural gas. So natural gas, you know, came back a little bit, but not much. Now, a lot of people have been asking me about gold, and if you look at the average gold prices, they've fallen further as sentiment has been deteriorating and rising rates. Actually, if you look at the monthly charts, made kind of a double top, uh, and then broken support, which is not good. And it's been a strong dollar, and like I said, the dollar's been parabolic. Remember, the dollar broke out of a 36-year downtrend, and the yields broke out of a 40-year downtrend. They're not going back down. Okay, they may test it once or twice, but they're not going back down. They may, you know, normally when that happens, you go sideways for a pretty long time, and then you start a climb up if you're going to start a climb up. But uh, the assets under management for gold-backed ETFs space is, uh, you know, we're, we're seeing investors pull money left and right from those things. So uh, gold's not been a great place to be, and it doesn't look like it's going to be a great place to be. Silver looks a little bit better, but not that, you know, much. And look, there's been um, some forced labor bans on the table at the European Commission, and that could spell uh, trouble for the blocks, you know, booming solar growth. So we'll see what happens there. So in commodities, I think you have to stay with agricultural commodities. You know, corn is broken out. Uh, wheat is right at its downtrend line. So if it breaks through, you know, it broke through. Uh, because that's what, you know, Ukraine supplies most of the wheat for Eastern Europe and uh, some of Europe in general. And then it pulled back hard. Uh, and, you know, commodities broke out of a 14-year downtrend. They spiked, and they, it looks like they were going to pull back. But then Ukraine hit, so they spiked higher. So I, I think they, they need to calm down a little bit, and then they'll go further. Uh, you know, everybody waits for the pullback, right? Uh, so agriculture and oil commodities and natural gas commodities is where I would uh, locate myself. And like I said, they just absolutely killed solar and any kind of, uh, you know, green energy. Uh, so it might be a time to be thinking about that. Um, you know, it, it, it helps. 
Now, we do have a new uh, report, our Global Energy Best Ideas, and uh, that's that's a really good report. <laughs> a really good report. All right, so I'll just leave it at that. But look, uh, last Friday, I, I was bold enough to say that I thought this week, or last Saturday, I, I was bold enough to say that this week I thought we'd start a, a rally. And, and, you know, Monday and Tuesday proved me right. Uh, and, you know, he, <laughs> as, as uh, one of my clients said, even a, a clock is right, uh, you know, a stop clock is right twice a day. So, but we had the rally and then we gave it all back uh, or gave two thirds of it back. Uh, but that's okay. It's, it's a Fibonacci number that it, we came back on. So it's important what happens Monday, I think. Um, and I think the best thing that would happen is we start off down. All right, but we're starting to see green shoots. The number of new lows were not there Friday. And and look, if you look at the cyclical, the you know, the four year cycle theory, um, you know, the, the beginning of the cycle started in twenty twenty. So, you know, it it should start in twenty twenty four, but you can go sideways to up because we're we've backed off enough uh where you know uh he, what will happen in 2020 is we'll break out to a new high. So what I think will happen is from, from here through the, the, you know, the end of 2023, we'll have this, you know, uh, what I call a, a saw blade type move, but it'll be generally sloping up and it'll, it, it, it'll be enough where the downs will scare the bajazes out of the people. Uh, and that's the way it works in the stock market. You know, the stock market goes up with the least amount of people involved. All right. So now look, we had some, very important intermediate term levels for the NASDAQ, the Russell 2000 small cap, and the S&P 500. And remember, Lori Calvacina thinks that the small caps are the cheapest they've been in a long, long time. I mean, she was talking about, um, you know, long, long time. But we haven't broken the downtrend line yet. So we're still not solid citizens. We got to break that downtrend line going forward. Uh, and, and if we don't, uh, you know, we're headed south. Okay. So, you know, I got to be honest on this show. I'm not exactly uh, jumping up and down. Okay. Uh, about the markets. Uh, you know, what I don't think you've ever heard me other than when I first came on in 2000. And then also uh, in 2008, when all the, all those co- great companies were, their, their debt was, you know, yielding 10, 12% there for a week or two. I uh, bought a lot of bonds there. But CDs, are a good alternative. I'd stay in the two to five year area, the two year, the two to three year area looks best. But, you know, if you look at the dollar, you know, the dollar broke out, uh, the 10 year yield broke out, the two year yield broke out, and now they're pulling back. So the question is, will they break out again? Uh, Usually the type of chart we're looking at, the answer to that is yes. Uh, But they did have high volume sell-offs on the yields. uh, And, you know, that, that's something you got to, pay very close attention to. But just remember, the seasonality, you know, you buy on the Yom Kippur, right? You buy, you know, uh, you, you go away in May and you come back on All Souls Day too, okay? So the seasonality is coming into our favor. Uh, so, you know, the third quarter or the fourth quarter, I'm sorry, remains the strongest three months seasonally of the year. So we'll see what happens. But uh, I think that a lot of people, um, you know, they're they're getting, um, well, what's the best way to put this? You know, everybody's getting negative. They're they're staying negative. Uh, That's okay. You know, the more people that are negative, uh, the better off, uh, you know, the scenario is. Okay. So a a lot of people uh, don't get that, but it is one of those things that um, you know, you've got to pay close attention when everybody's negative. You know, the more, look, the American Association of Individual Investors, we said last week, was it over 60? It's still over 60. Uh, you know, we had a 1,720 point rally. And, you know, it's still over 60. That's a good sign. You know, when people are negative, you know, you should be positive. And, it, you know, if you look at the long view, we have these consolidations and, and then you know they're called bear markets they last 16 to 18 years then we have a 16 to 18 year bull market now 
the bull market has bear markets in it, okay? And the bear market has bull markets in it. You know, 1987 is a good example of a bear market. You know, uh, 1999 to 2000, we had Saddam Hussein rolling town. There was a bear market involved in a bull market. In 1998, we had the Russian ruble crisis. In 2003 and four, we had a huge rally in the oil markets and gold. You know, we I, I pounded the table on this show. Bach in Montana, remember Bach in Montana. And then we had another rally from 2009 to 2013. And then we, we backed up a couple of times. And in 2016, we broke out. All right. So we're holding here. Okay. We need to hold. Like I said, the Fed will probably do uh, some dumb things, but, uh, you know, I'm not a big proponent of the Fed and I'm not talking for RBC. I'm talking for Tim Hayes. But, you know, the number of stocks uh, above their 200 uh, day moving average has been retesting the oversold level. Uh, and if it holds, it'd be very positive. Number of stocks below their 50 are deeply oversold. So this is the type of stuff that's that's very interesting. And the put-to-call ratio is still over one, and that's equities only. The put-to-call ratio for all things is 1.3. Those are big numbers, folks. Hey, let's take a break, and we'll come back, and we'll talk about the bullish percent. If you have a question, 216-901-0945. Stay tuned. <laughs> When it comes to managing your retirement, it's easy to get lost. Look to RBC Wealth Management to guide you. Our experienced, knowledgeable financial advisors will build your investment strategy by designing a plan that's tailored to your unique financial needs. Call Tim Hayes at 216-774-8906. RBC Wealth Management, a division of RBC Capital Markets, LLC. Member NYSE, FINRA, SIPC. Visit rbcwealthmanagement.com. I'll always remember Andy's first words to me. I didn't even know we had an ad on Craigslist. Not good when you're calling about a Craigslist job posting. Despite that, we talked for hours and Andy hired me right there on the spot. I was the first non-family member plumber in the business, but it felt like I was immediately adopted into their family. It still feels that way for me and everybody at Why It Works. It's why Mama Ruth still cooks breakfast for everyone. The best part of being a plumber here is the support you get from everybody. One of the earliest solo jobs I had was working in a mansion with a huge indoor pool and a super fancy water heater system. So I called Andy for some advice. He dropped what he was doing, drove over an hour and a half, and trained me and showed me what to do. And that's not an exception. That's typical. That's why we want to get things wallacadoodle perfect for our customers. I'm Jamal, and if you're a plumber that wants in, skip the Craigslist ad, call us direct. Consider it done at whyamorps.com. License number 30185. After 14 years, we're having a programming change. The Advocate is changing its broadcast days and times. Beginning September 18th, The Advocate is moving to a 30-minute format on Saturdays at 6 p.m. and a second program Sundays at 2 p.m. The Advocate will broadcast twice a week with two half-hour programs. The same great program with Nick and Kathy, but two times a week. Be sure to tune in Saturdays at 6 p.m. and Sundays at 2 p.m. for The Advocate here on AM 1420, The Answer. Or on iHeart, TuneIn, and Odyssey. Okay. All right, we're back. And you're hot to hot, hot. Anyway, uh, you know, Wednesday morning, OPEC decided to cut production by 2 million barrels per day. Uh, studying reasons, including the disconnect between paper and physical markets. And I thought it was interesting, you know, the, the president said, ah, guys are terrible. After he's been manipulating the price using the strategic reserve for six months now. <laughs> uh, you know, you it, it's just crazy, uh, um, you know. It, it, you, you can't do that. Uh, that. I mean, these people aren't stupid. Uh, so the speculation: the SPR releases will now continue in response to the cut from OPEC. Uh, I don't know how much they have left there. I mean, I've been told they they're down to the bottom. So, and on the rumors, uh, the cut servicing uh, last week, crude oil prices moved higher, and crude oil has been in a fairly steady downtrend for several months. Uh, often return to a buy signal briefly and then before continuing to trend lower. For now, the pattern hasn't been broken. But the news on OPEC, I think, is a very significant development. 
right. So um, and we'll uh, we'll take a look at it. I think oil has to break ninety uh, to to, and I, I think it came close Friday. So we do have a caller, Dennis. Dennis, how are you? Good, uh, good afternoon, Tim. How are you? Well, no complaints at all, as a matter of fact. What's new? I wanted to get your thoughts on uh, an item here, and this involves the, the national debt. It just surpassed $31 trillion, and a good portion of that debt is short-term debt, meaning they're going to have to roll it over here pretty soon, and they're going to be rolling it over at much higher interest rates. So my concern is it's just going to... You know, already, you know, it's going to aggravate a deficit situation that's horrible to begin with. So, I wonder how that's going to affect, you know, the market and, you know, the debt market going forward. Uh, well, Dennis, I mean, I, I don't know what to say about that. We got a bunch of people in Washington that don't have a clue. Um, I, I'm, you know, uh, look, someday that'll be a problem. And when it happens, uh, we won't like it, and it'll probably have an effect on the dollar. But until then, look, if we want to, we can balance the budget tomorrow. Okay? I mean, all they have to do is, you know, uh, there's two things. Number one, that uh, I think Warren Buffett put it bluntly, uh, you know, none of these guys can get reelected unless they balance the budget. The budget will be balanced tomorrow. And the other thing would be uh, if you had line item veto. You know, they shoved a, a lot of spending down Trump's throat, uh, you know, during the pandemic that he wouldn't have normally agreed to, I don't think. So, um, and I'm, you know, right now, we haven't had Republican votes on any of this stuff, and they've, they've decided to spend $6 billion. But let me explain something to you. Uh, if you know who Saul Linsky is, Oh, sure. Yeah. R- well, his eight principles, yeah, eight, is eight, eight uh, steps to a socialist society. One of them is to increase the debt to a point where you stagnate the economy. I think that might be their plan. <laughs> it's hard to say, uh, that, you know. Yeah, uh, I would suggest it is. And, uh, uh, you know, the, the Clintons were big big uh, followers of Mr. Linsky and so was Mr. Obama. So, uh, you know, the point is when you, when you have that much debt, you stagnate the economy, which causes uh, revolution in the streets. Okay. So I don't know, maybe that's it. I, I don't know, but they, they, uh, as I said, a couple of weeks ago, you know, the Biden administration has been spending, they could outspend, uh, you know, Paris Hilton at Nordstrom's. <laughs> So I don't I don't know what to make of it. I, I don't know what to say. Uh, it's just something you watch. You know what I mean? Yeah. yeah. You know, the other thing that concerns me is all the uh, unfunded liabilities they have with respect to Social Security, Medicare, and federal pensions, military pensions. You know, those aren't even figured into the national debt. And they say, you know, that's another 50, yeah. 60 trillion right there. Yeah. And, they, you know, like I said, they, they got to do something, and I, I think they'll wait to a, a crucial area, and then they'll act. But um, until then, we just, you know, it's, you know, it's like walking down a, a, a dark street uh, on a Saturday night. You keep looking over your shoulder, right? That's what you got to do. Yeah. Okay. All right. Well, I appreciate right. your insights. Thanks very much. All right. Have a great day. Anyway, so uh, the bullish percent. You know, we talk about this every week. It's it's our risk guide. And uh, remember, last year, it was over 80. Then it went to 60. Then it went to 78. Then it went to 60. Then it went to 76. Then it went to 60. Then it went to 74. Boom, 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 boom. And then it broke down. And that was this week in October, one year ago. And, uh, you know, I, 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 I had cash in a lot of people's accounts. I didn't have enough cash in some people's accounts. And, uh, you know... I wasn't ex- look last year we were expecting 1.75 that's what the top 5 economists were talking about for the fed funds rate now at 375 uh that's 140% change and it you know so you know I read what they're doing and and, and it was it was a problem but 
this something happened this this week, and I the bullish percent turned up Tuesday. Now, remember, the bullish percent is like this big old aircraft carrier. And, you know, you don't take an aircraft carrier and say to the first mate, uh, once you go down to the island, take a hard right, okay, and, and, and then go west. Uh, that's not the way it works. you got to slowly turn the aircraft carrier. So when you have a big move like that, you know, the economy is big enough where you have to, you know, it comes back. You know, people saying, ah, that can't happen. That's not good. And it's very important that, you know, you hold, you know, the breakout, okay, uh, which I think we have. But we did break into a column of X's, which is positive, all right? You remember, the bullish percent is X's and O's. X's mean we have the offensive team on the field. O's, we want to be the more defensive. Now, Look, when O's come on, it doesn't mean you have to sell your whole portfolio. You, you sell your weakest stocks or the stocks that are up the most. You sell part of them maybe and, and you know, try to buy them later. But usually when you have a third, you know, this is the third time the bullish percent has turned up. Uh, we've, we've averaged about a 1254 uh, return over the next year when that's occurred. So, now, we don't have a great you know, number of uh, past experience with that. There's only been three other times. But each of those times, we've, ha- we've averaged a 12.5% return. So we'll see what happens. Uh, the, the, I, I thought it was interesting. Uh, you know, the over-the-counter index was up three. Uh, it, it has to get to uh, – uh, it, it, it goes into a column of Xs at uh, 27 or 28. So we'll see what happens there. The small caps have not participated very much. It's, it was a lot of the large caps, which makes sense. When you come off a bottom, you know, you buy the large caps. Uh, as far as uh, the world is concerned, it's still in a column of O's and wouldn't turn around until until 34. Um, we'll see what happens. But uh, so I, I think with the third quarter ending, you know, the performance of uh, the ETF universe was not that great. Um, you know, I think most indexes were down 12% for the quarter. That, that is not a good quarter. Uh, but if we look at dynamic asset level investing, energy still number one. Now, the one that, I, you know, I, I talked about back then uh, a, a year ago, you know, back in March of 2001, if you were listening to the show, and I think you can go back and look, listen to that show, I talked about energy stocks. And I talk about basic material stocks, and people thought I was nuts. And and the energy stocks are still leading the way on a relative strength based basis. The stocks that were the biggest then were communication services. They were and technology. They were communication services dead last. You know, uh, Meta, Metaverse and and Snap and uh, Verizon. They can't get a bid. You know, they're getting whacked. Uh, technology is not in the red, but it's it's definitely not in favor either. Healthcare has been the healthcare was at the bottom then. Okay, uh, energy, basic materials, and healthcare were at the bottom. So basic materials kind of round tripped. Energy still leading. Consumer non-cyclical or staples are number two. Utilities, financials, and industrials are all favored. They're they're you know three, four, and five. Healthcare had the biggest improvement. So I think utilities, you know, you buy yield when it's down, when it's up. I mean, when the when the price is down. And the prices have come back a little bit. So pay attention there. That's kind of an interesting area. We have a lot of good utilities on the prime income list. I highly recommend it. Healthcare, I would equal weight. Basic materials, I would equal weight. Real estate's weakening. Consumer discretionary, I'd underweight it. Now, there has, there has been a few stocks in that area that are making higher lows. That's, that's important. So I'll just leave that to you. Now, international equities, the relative strength still stinks. <laughs> <laughs> I don't care if you're looking at you know European equities, Brazilian equities. You know Brazilian equities popped up and they're still well below, uh, you know what the S and P 500. So uh, all these things against the S and P 500 are negative. Uh, so if you think the S and P 500 bad, international equ- equities have been worse. You know, and fixed income is kind of interesting. Uh, you know, the the yields are still on buy signal. The bonds are still on sell signals. But remember, if you're out there and you're retired and you're trying to buy, if you're trying to invest in fixed income, when yields are up, you buy. And you know what? If you wait 
for the Fed's last increase, usually what you know when the increases are done, when they raise the rates and the rates come down because the market's telling them, hey, you went too far. Okay. So we'll see what happens here. But when yields are up, you want to buy. Okay. So the dividend growth portfolio that we talk about and the prime income list are pretty good ideas right here. And our, our global best uh, oil ideas are pretty good ideas right here. But fixed income is probably a good idea right now. It, you know, we might be looking back at the 60-30-10 portfolio, you know, 60% equities, 30% bonds, 10% cash. Uh, I've been trying to, uh, you know, figure out a way to do that uh, in the last couple of weeks. And we're, we're talking about, you know, crude oil went to a buy signal for the first time in eight weeks. Uh, gold did too, but it was a very weak signal. Uh, copper's been up and corn has been the home run. So in the agricultural area, it looks like corn is the place to go. Natural gas did, uh, you know, have a double digit game along with palladium this year. So uh, actually the last quarter they did. So, it, you know, the, the commodities are still number one asset class. So I'd stay with the oils. Uh, palladium is, it, they like it, uh, mostly because cars need it. Uh, silver and gold are weak. Agricultural and oil and gas is where I'd stay in the commodities area uh, for me. So let's take a break, and we'll be right back with uh, insiders, and then I'm going to talk about the long view, okay? So stay tuned. Uh, if you got a question, 216-901-0945. Stay tuned. Jamal, even before I was hired. They wanted me to see everything from the ground level before moving forward. And it was awesome. The first time I came in, I got to sit in on a meeting and never realized that plumbers have that level of organization and sophistication to their operations. And I say that as a former degree project manager, as well as an Air Force vet. After getting out of the service, my wife and I moved to Cleveland and I just wasn't happy with the corporate style desk jobs. So I prayed for a sign. That next morning, my best friend called me about this radio ad on the fish for a company he thought would be perfect for me. And he was right. Why it works was a godsend. You have to want to help people. But if you do, this job is fulfilling in ways that the right person won't find anywhere else. If you want that for your life, call us direct and consider it done at whyitworks.com. License number 30185. Wouldn't it be nice to keep income rolling in even long after you retire? At RBC Wealth Management, we can help you invest for the future that you want and create a personalized plan to help you create the steadfast flow of income you'll need throughout your retirement. Call Tim Hayes at 216-774-8906. RBC Wealth Management, a division of RBC Capital Markets, LLC, member NYSE, FINRA, SIPC. Hey. Three, four! Okay, we're back. Uh, I just got an email uh, from Taylor. I don't know uh, if Taylor's uh, female or male, uh, but they, they actually said, are you telling us to sell Apple? No, I'm just saying they're on the cover of a magazine, and uh, especially Business Week. Business Week has a terrible track record of hitting a company at the top, okay? So if you believe in the magazine cover, uh you know, you make your own decisions. So I'm not your, your financial guy. So I've got a lot of, you know, you might want to write calls or be a little bit more defensive, that type of thing. I don't know. Um, but anyway, we talk about insiders quite a bit. And and uh, I thought this was interesting. I, I had a gentleman uh, last week who uh, uh, runs a company here in town. And uh, he's doing all this stock. Uh, he wants to do all this stock stuff. And, uh, you know, he's, I haven't, I've only talked to him twice. And I said, well, did you ever think about a wealth plan? <laughs> and the, the, the way, you know, with it, it tells you, you know, if you put the stock options in what to do. Okay. Uh, or it doesn't tell you what to do. It gives you some, you know, what ifs. All right. So those stock options were very a big part of his portfolio. And, uh, you know, it made some suggestions for the guy. So we'll see. You know, we're going to talk to him next week. But uh, 
you know, if you go to WHK's webpage and just hit the content, you know, go to local podcast, I'm sorry, down to the Smart Investor Show, go to my webpage, just contact me, email me, dividend growth portfolio, prime income list, great idea right now, global best uh, energy ideas, I think are a good idea. The wealth plan is a really, really good idea. Don't forget Insight and Bulletin Board. Those are two good pieces for information. So anyway, the reason I brought that up is Matthew Mile is a director at uh, uh, Cynics, uh, TD Cynics Corporation, their information technology company. And, you know, they got beat up there at 105. They're now 82, 83 or something like that. And he sold $438 million with the stock, but he also bought it. So I'm thinking that's some kind of transaction that happened with a wealth plan. <laughs> uh, but, uh, you know, when they sell it and they buy it right back, you should be, you know, paying close attention. Uh, and, you know, Ben Franklin Resource, Franklin Resources uh, keeps buying their own stock. And, you know, the stock's gone from 30 to 21. They just bought another $25 million worth. And, you know, our friend Greg Abel. Over at Berkshire Hathaway, he's bought both the A and the B stock, and he's bought a lot of it. Uh, he continues to buy it. Um, he just bought another, oh boy, well, he bought uh, like $75 million worth of the two stocks last week, and he bought another $65 million this week. So that's, that's not some change. Um, so we'll see, you know, uh, if Berkshire picks up. Remember, Greg Abel is the heir apparent to Warren Buffett, all right? So he's no dummy. Uh, just, you know, and you try to follow smart money. And then also we had, uh, crazy, uh, which is a software company, which is, you know, at 32 bucks now, uh, it was, it was a $50 stock just a couple months ago, a month and a half ago, I guess. And uh, we, we had, uh, directors, uh, Doug Pepper and Matthew Jacobson. I looked up those guys, they're pretty smart guy. They both bought uh, 450,000 shares, which is about 15 million, six, almost $16 million with the stock. And uh, that that gets uh, interesting very very quickly. Also, um, uh, Chardon Next Tech acquisition, which has made a big move. Uh, the CEO uh, is Jonas Grossman, and he he at ten now stocks up at fourteen. He bought five million dollars worth of stock, and Kerry Proper, who's a director, uh, bought five million dollars, about the same amount, about five million dollars worth of stock. So they bought it right before they made the announcement, uh, which is probably smart uh, they, that they acquired somebody. And so are industries, you know, which is just getting pe peppered. Uh, it was 95 back in August. It's now 72. Uh, you know, uh, one of the directors bought one point, bought 20,000 shares um, and they keep doing it, uh, you know. And Miller & Knoll, which is furnishings and all that type of thing, was, you know, a $35 stock in August. It's now a $17 stock. Uh, the president and CEO stepped up to the plate and bought a million dollars worth of stock. Uh, I thought that was interesting. Um, also, uh, you know, we talked about Coinbase last week. Uh, Coinbase, we had another buy of 5,000 shares. And then Lionsgate, this guy continues to buy. Harry Sloan, he's a director. He bought uh, 100,000 shares to the tune of $700,000 worth. And then uh, Alset E-Home International, which is real estate, this guy bought a million shares. It's only a uh, twenty. Five cent stock, but he is the chief executive officer. And Jay Farner at, at Rocket Mortgage. I think Jay bought another 160,000 shares this week or something like that. 150. Uh, 150 times seven is a lot of money, you know, and he's been doing this every week, every week for several months here. So, Jay, I'm proud of you. I, I actually, uh, for, you know, just look, I think in these type of markets, you know, you don't go out and buy your whole position. You buy pieces of the position, and I started to buy a little bit. So uh, uh, I'm not sure what he's thinking about, but uh, he knows the company a lot better than I do. Now, here's an interesting one, Tricata. Uh, we talked about this stock a year ago at 4 bucks when Benrock bought 1.7 million shares. It's now almost $12, and Benrock just bought another 650,000 shares. That's an interesting one. So, uh, you know, a lot of this is, you know, I think fairly good information. Um, okay, look, uh, I'm looking at the long term now, and I, and I look, that reversal Monday and Tuesday look, looks important, I think. And I think it could extend and maybe, uh, I'm putting myself on the line here, but maybe another 10, 15%. And I think the fourth quarter will be good. Uh, silver 
you know, also has taken the lead to gold. And, uh, you know, Monday we had a 7% spike, which should lead the metals a little bit higher. Gold stocks likely will move higher as well, but they got us, they got an overhang, you know, and that's, that's a problem. So I think you got to be a little bit more careful. Now, um, if you don't know who the DeMarc group is, uh, Tom DeMarc is one smart guy. He talks about sevens, nines, elevens, and thirteens. And he has some TD count, the 13 countdown buys. And if you don't understand the system, you don't want to understand what I'm talking about. But I looked at a bunch of stuff. I looked at his stuff. I looked at the Elliott wave this week, positive momentum, divergences, and all sorts of stuff. And, uh, you know, things could get interesting. And I, I looked at, I got a bunch of stocks that, fit that bill. And what I did was uh, I, I looked at what Mark Newton's doing over at Funstrat and also what Rob Schleimer's doing here. And I came up with some good names. And look, if I was doing this, I'd be looking at uh, overweighting, you know, right now, uh, healthcare, consumer discretionary is interesting. Uh, financials look interesting, energy, utilities, and materials. I'd be very de- uh, uh, neutral on industrials and staples are very expensive. So I don't want to be buying them here. I own a lot of them, but th- those are interesting areas as far as I'm concerned. And then uh, the S and P 500, I think is going to consolidate for the next couple of days. And, you know, I, it'd be interesting if Monday, if we just had like a flat day, maybe down 50, uh, that w- I think it'd be very positive. Uh, and I think energy is really kicked back into gear and I don't think it's going away. Um, you know, look, uh, utilities, I think are good. I, I buy them down. I, they did have kind of a break versus the S and P 500 on a relative strength basis. So, you know, that's something you got to pay close attention to. So, um, here's, here's what I'd be doing. I'd be looking at the dividend growth portfolio, you know, dividends, boy stocks, prime income list has some really good names on it too. I would also look at our top 30 global oil ideas. That's a really great idea, okay? Uh, and somebody asked me, you know, look, I'm going to go back to this, and, and people think I'm crazy, but in the long run, okay, in the long run, we still have probably a, a major, major bull market on our hands. Now, I know the Fed's trying to ruin it as best they possibly can, but you know, it's a repetitive 17-year generational cycle. Uh, you know, look, in the last 17 years, nobody's really known a bull market. I mean, think about that. All the, all the guys that came out of college and all that, most of the portfolio managers, they have no idea what a bull market looks like. And, and we started one, and then, you know, some crazy stuff started to happen. And then we, we had another bull market and then eased up a little bit, obviously, in the last year. Uh, and we had a bear market. That happens. Remember, in 1982, we started a bull market. In 19, the beginning of 1983, the small caps got decimated. Okay, uh, you know, Commodore Computer or Diagnostic went from 13 to 95 to zero in a year. Okay, so you do they do happen, and it's something that you you have to be paying closer attention to, I think, and and. Uh, uh, most people don't understand that. But so the dividend growth portfolio, the prime income list, the, the global best oil ideas and a wealth plan. It's a wealth plan. Don't forget that. So go to WHK 1420, go to local podcast, down to Smart Investor Show to my webpage. Get to contact me, do a wealth plan. If you don't have a plan, you don't know how you're doing. Okay. And by the way, it's very sophisticated if you want to get sophisticated. In the meantime, Have a great weekend. This is the Smart Investor Show. I'm Tim Hayes. Remember, buy low, sell high. Anytime, any day, you can hear the people say that love is blind.
Thanks for listening to the Smart Investor Hour. To reach Tim during the week, call him toll-free, 888-223-7742. That's 888-223-7742. Or visit his website, rbcwmfa.com slash Tim Hayes. That's all one word in the address bar, rbcwfma.com slash Tim Hayes. Please join us again next Saturday for the Smart Investor Hour to hear more smart investing from Tim Hayes of RBC Wealth Management. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records of the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.